in an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Happy Scream Release Month, Nerdy Ghouls. Welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it, too. If you've always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky oasis. I know I have told you all I'm excited about every episode, but ghouls, look, not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, I have prepared a good old Mandy Spooks Chef's Kisses magic episode for you today. I'm so beyond happy I decided to move the podcast to monthly because it gave me time to really live in the production of this episode, which is my favorite part of creating, and I never get to just live in it, you know? So today's episode is hefty, let me tell you. It's got so much blood and meat that I'm calling it a scream fest. We are not just grave digging into scream, we are grave digging into my experience watching scream and scream five side by side. We are grave digging into the true crime story that inspired scream. And we are also grave digging into details and predictions on scream six. And since this is such an exciting episode, I thought we'd set the tone by starting off with why you all love this franchise so much. So, I asked Nerdy Ghouls, why do you love Scream and or Ghostface? And I had to start off with my familiar's answer because if you haven't been around since the original TGM days, uh, my familiar, the Gato Flopsker, loves this franchise. It's It's his absolute favorite. So, I wanted to kick it off with what he thought. So, he said, probably a nostalgic thing growing up watching the movies, and I love that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It also pokes fun at horror movies, but still a good movie with fun twists. Always fun trying to figure out who the killer is, end quote. I definitely agree with all of those things. Billie Eilish 777 said, I just love all the characters in the film and the 90s feel, end quote. Yes, the 90s. Splash of Spooky said, because it's scary but not creepy demon and paranormal scary, end quote. Okay, that is such a great point. I have to really agree with that one because I hadn't really thought about that, but this movie hits different and I will talk about it more later. NBC Lover 1993 said, nostalgic, I love the jokes, remember every boy in elementary school rocking the ghost face mask, end quote. Yes, this totally took me back because I completely agree. I think that is definitely part of the the nostalgia is all the boys wearing this mask and even some of the girls too. Too Fond of Books and V Rose 23 said the fact that it is meta horror. And then Lalik said it was my first horror movie I was allowed to watch with absolutely no sensory. Plus I had a ghost face mask that following Halloween. (laughs) End quote. Sorry. Yes. See, even Lalik had a ghost face mask. Essie Zoon said, this series is hilarious. It's one of the few slashers that makes me laugh every time, lol. Also, the gore and kills are chef's kisses. Also, do I even have to mention Skeet Ulrich? End quote. Yeah, okay. I think we can all agree with Sabrina on that as well. Go with the Curl said, I just really enjoy this franchise where anybody could be the killer. End quote. That is true. It feels like all of you are loving the same themes out of this franchise. Bernadette Navarro said, I just love Ghostface's sense of humor, end quote. That is definitely one of my favorite things about Ghostface as well. Alice in Wonderlush said, nostalgia reminds me of high school times. <laughs> and that was everyone so far, but we have tons of more 
co-host submissions to talk about later in the episode. So there you have it. Nerdy ghouls love Scream. But before we kick off this slasher of an episode, let's get into some news and updates. Haunted housekeeping. Okay, I'm going to try to keep today's news super short and simple because we have some fun stuff to discuss. If you haven't already had a chance to check out What's Brewing on my YouTube channel, I have two new videos out. One is celebrating Disney's 100th anniversary, which was the most cozy, magical night unboxing cozy Disney merch and then playing Dreamlight Valley. And it was my first gaming content, so I was just really excited about it. And the other video is really special to me. As you all know, I didn't get to see my family for Christmas and it had actually been over a year since I'd seen them. My niece and nephew grew so much in just that little bit of time and I actually did a video with them unboxing and playing with my niece's Monster High toys and my nephew filmed it. It was just like a real family made production you know and it would mean the world to me if you guys would go watch it and leave a nice comment. They were so excited to do it and I know that they'd be really excited to see all your comments coming through also. And while you're there, (laughs) if you could please do a ghoul, a solid, and subscribe if you haven't already, I would appreciate it more than ever. I would love to finally hit 5,000 subscribers before this Halloween because we're so close. And I just, I know, I believe in the magic of the nerdy ghouls and I think we can do it. And, oh, I almost forgot, in the next few days, I'll also be releasing a shorts video on YouTube with my thoughts on Megan Unrated. (laughs) If you haven't already heard, uh, Megan is now streaming on Peacock. And that's all the updates, ghouls. Before we get into Screamfest, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. Okay, if you know me, then you know Yagul loves themes, so I had to go with a red drink today because it is the slasher of all slasher episodes. I actually made a cherry Italian cream soda for today's Scream Fest, and I even filmed a reel of how I made it for you ghouls on my Instagram, so be sure to watch it and share it if you could help a ghoul out. To be honest, I haven't done anything too spooky other than really diving into the Scream movies the past few weeks. I've genuinely enjoyed working on this episode more than I have enjoyed anything I've created in a while and I think it's because I knew how prepared it would make me feel for this episode and when I'm prepared I feel confident and like I can actually relax and just have fun with you guys and yes I worry it will overhype this episode but I just feel like it benefits everyone when you can all learn something and hear me in relaxed Mandy mode versus I don't know, just crazy in stress mode, Winifred mode, as Poppy would call it. So since I don't have too much of a keeping the spook alive update for you, I thought I'd share how some of your fellow nerdy ghouls are keeping the spook alive. Wild Rose 01 said by reading dark romance books, and I actually just remembered that I did ask her which ones, like I'm sure nerdy ghouls want to dive into some dark romance as well so I will share those with you all she said she is reading promises and pomegranates pomegranates by Sav R. Miller and the predator by ooh, that's an interesting name R-U-N-Y-X Runix uh, and dark stranger the dream by I.T. Lucas so if you all are interested in dark romance those are some recommendations for you Yana Loves Mitchie said she's diving into Grady Hendrix's book and said, so far, I really enjoy the final girl support group, end quote. 
Okay, I have heard so much about Grady Hendrix, but I have not actually read anything, I believe. Grady Hendrix also wrote that Southern Peaches book, right? Or something like that. Grady Hendrix. I'm looking that up right now because I feel silly saying that. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I knew there was peaches on the cover, okay? Anyway, I started listening to an audiobook for the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't give it too much of a chance, but it did not immediately hook me. So I'm kind of curious on trying the Final Girls one because it seems like it might be up more up my alley more. But I don't know. I would love for all of you to share with me if hit, if the books are like different on Discord because I don't know. I know so many of you are so into it, but I just wasn't hooked with that first try. And then Halloween is my happy place said reading a collection of Robert Aikman stories and still listening to evolution of horror podcast has moved on from slashers to ghosts. So I'm loving it makes me want to rewatch the classics like the uninvited and the haunting end quote. Okay. I meant to check out this podcast the last time Poppy mentioned this and I still haven't. So it is still on my list to try out. And then Monica Gellman is also reading Grady Hendrix, but the new book, how to sell a haunted house And she wrote, but struggling to finish it, to be honest, end quote. See, I'm telling you guys, I have a feeling Grady Hendrix is not going to be my vibe, but I need to try it out again. Okay, Linda Audrey said, working on a midsummer movie-themed cross-stitch piece, end quote. Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. This ghoul is getting ready for spring. I love it. Mistress Jessica said, drinking out of sorry, let me retry that. Drinking out of my spooky mugs every day. Laptop also covered with spooky stickers end quote sorry that that was my bad because I had a bunch of typos on that one Uh, but I love that you guys know me I love my spooky mugs and I love spooky stickers when I can find like a strategic place to put them so that is awesome that you put them on your laptop Lalik said this week it's the little dude dog in skeleton hoodie end quote oh okay so if you guys are not following Lalik yet which I would be shocked if you're not because she's probably like our most featured co-host probably she never misses a question uh anyway she just got the cutest new dog which we had talked about as well how she named the dog Maleficent and I have just been loving seeing her dog mom journey through like getting this pup trained and ready Uh, it's been really exciting so if you're not already be sure to follow Lelik uh, Bernadette Navarro said, planning my spooky birthday adventures for May, Sugar Mint Gallery, and Mystic Museum, and of course, going to the Myers house again, end quote. Can I come with you? That sounds so fun. Those are all places that I would love to visit one day. Uh, Hello Sparkle said, drawing spooky cute things when I get the chance, and I've been randomly finding little Halloween things, end quote. So I did follow up with Ashley from Hello Sparkles because I was like, what do you mean little Halloween things? And she told me she's been finding a lot of random Halloween things on clearance, like at Home Goods and TJ Maxx. And I've been hearing this a lot throughout the community. So I don't know. I would say it might be time to like go do a, a fun little like off-season hunt if you all need a little Halloween hit you know what I mean (laughs) anyway if you want to keep up with how we're keeping the spook alive every day you can follow me on YouTube Instagram and TikTok at Mandy Spooks all right ghouls today's spooky history lesson oh my gosh did I just finally name this portion of the show I think I did do we like it wait oh my god I just got something better slash is in session yes okay okay I like it I love it we're keeping it on today's slash is in session 
we are carving into the true crime story that inspired one of the biggest horror franchises we have come to love today. But if I'm being honest, I feel like that was all a really cool and fun introduction for once again, a story I feel pretty icky sharing. If you're new here, while I cover true crime occasionally, I don't enjoy it because I don't like making horrible people more famous, but I do think it's important to understand the history behind the pop culture moments we love. And so here we are with an unfortunate, uncomfortable retelling of the Gainesville Ripper. So back in August of 1990, oh my gosh, guys, that was just one year before I was born. (laughs) Anyway... So back in August of 1990, in Gainesville, Florida, there was a real-life Woodsboro-style massacre over the course of three days. The Gainesville Ripper, who shall not be named on this show, broke into an off-campus apartment near the University of Florida and murdered two women and three men in a very violent manner. He even later admitted to raping several of them. The most disgusting part was that the Ripper's signature was to pose his victims' bodies in provocative and gruesome ways and then leave messages at the crime scene taunting the police and media. He was later caught, convicted, and confessed to the murders. So you might be thinking, well, this sounds like a bunch of kids getting murdered, but it doesn't exactly sound like Ghostface, so how did it inspire the films? Well, the screenwriter Kevin Williamson, who wrote the script for Scream, was living in Florida at the time of the Gainesville Ripper murders and was legitimately spooked by the news broadcasts about them. I have read that he incorporated elements of the case into his script, including the idea of a mass killer who taunts his victims and the police with phone calls and and messages. Although Scream is not a direct retelling of the Gainesville Ripper case, the real-life murders provided a significant inspiration for the movie and helped to establish the genre of self-referential meta-horror that Scream is known for. And for a little extra credit, in case you are wondering what exactly self-referential meta-horror is, it is a subgenre of horror that is characterized by by its self-awareness and tendency to break the fourth wall. In these types of films, the characters are often aware that they are in a horror movie and may reference or comment on horror movie conventions such as jump scares or cliched plot twists. The meta aspect of the genre, which I know you all know because so many of you referenced it in your co-host notes, often involves referencing or parodying other horror films or popular culture in general. This type of horror film is often intended to be both scary and funny, and it often plays with audience expectations by subverting traditional horror movie tropes. So as you can tell, Scream is the standard example for self-referential meta-horror. Some other examples of the genre are Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and The Final Girls. Okay, if you guys learned anything at all in today's slash I would greatly appreciate if you would leave the podcast a five-star review if you haven't already because this is the kind of stuff I live for. I feel so proud of the content I create when I can actually get into the nitty-gritty and learn stuff with you ghouls. And this is what I meant about the last few podcasts missing the Mandy Spooks magic, you know? So it was really nice to take my time watching the movies, doing research, actually producing this episode for you, which is what I love to do. But I'm starting to digress, so let's grave dig into Scream. Okay, so we are technically covering two movies today, so I hope this works out. I figured we'd briefly cover the original Scream, and then we could get into Scream 5 or Scream 2022, whichever you prefer to call it. I will start sharing my thoughts about how they compare side to side at some point, which, by the way, if you were wondering what to watch before Scream 6 and you're short on time, I highly recommend watching these two in a row. I really enjoyed the experience and feel very well prepared for Scream 6. So that's just a little haunt tip if you still have time. So let's slash into it, shall we? 
So Scream was released on December 20th, 1996. Wow, what a time to be alive, you guys. As I was doing my research, I heard that a lot of people didn't expect this movie to do well because it was a horror movie coming out outside of spooky season, yet alone during Christmas. So can you imagine a screen release for Christmas? A ghoul could only dream. <laughs> Anywho, it was directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson, who also, by the way, worked on The Vampire Diaries. So I feel like this is a man who really knows a way to a spooky ghoul's heart, just saying. So if if there were ever a movie I did not need to share the cast, I think this would definitely be the one, but we must discuss. So the main characters are played by Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, the guy who plays Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, Jamie Foxx, Josie Grozy. I mean, the list goes on and on, so... I'm not going to keep going, but the Rotten Tomatoes audience rating was 79%, which I'm honestly surprised is not higher, to be honest. Um, And then the summary, according to IMDb, reads, A year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. End quote. So I thought it would be fun to ask who your favorite character is because I have heard so many people love that Sydney Prescott is like such a final girl vibe but then I know how much people love Ghostface and as I was watching it I was like but I love Gail and Dewey so I wanted to know who is the favorite character amongst the nerdy ghouls so between Ghostface, Sydney, Gail, and Dewey guys I was floored I cannot believe who won this poll it, it really shocked me because I thought for sure I would know one of the two top answers. But Dewey won by 38%. 38%, you guys. Then after that came Sydney at 29%. And then Ghostface at 25%. And then last was Gail at 8%. I did not ever think Dewey was going to top Sydney or Ghostface and then on top of that Ghostface is your third favorite character that is totally wild to me I can't get over it I'm never gonna get over this one (laughs) so if I'm being honest I would say Gail Weathers is my favorite character a thousand percent I don't even understand why she isn't an even bigger icon in horror like she is so like ballsy and out to like get the story and build her career and she's just like all about ghoul power guys like I am totally fangooling over Gail Weathers this time around honestly I don't know why I didn't like feel this way sooner but it's here it's happening we're having a Gail moment okay moving on speaking of Gail you know we always have some fun facts to share I thought this was really cool So Courtney Cox approached the production to pursue the role. She was interested in playing a quotation bitch character to offset her nice friends image. This image was the main reason why the producer, blah, 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 excuse me. It's the main reason why the producers initially refused to consider her for the part, but she continued to lobby the studio as she felt she could believably play the character and her efforts ultimately succeeded. So this just like further proves why I love this character so much, but also... I was talking to Mr. Spooks about how I was watching the movies like in love with Gail Weathers. And then I think like a day later, I started watching reruns of Friends. And in my head, I was like, holy crap, that's Gail Weathers. Even though I knew this watching Scream, but I was telling Mr. Spooks like it's insane that Courtney Cox is such a great actress that I wasn't actively thinking like, oh, that's 
Monica while I was watching Scream and vice versa. It didn't like click to me like that's such a great actress that she can believably like make you forget the other roles she has played. So I think that that is really cool and just makes me love her even more. And then another fun fact was the use of caller ID increased more than threefold after the the release of this film. And I always find it so fascinating when I hear how people were actually scared of things that would happen in movies back in the day because we have been exposed to so many bad things happening all the time now. And I don't mean to be insensitive to anyone who may have experienced watching this when it came out and feeling scared but I don't think I can think of a time that I ever watched a movie and was like afraid of something like that happening in real life outside of ghosts because like those are real you know (laughs) but I guess what scares me more is that the news headlines are what scare me more than horror movies themselves in 2023 And that turned bleak pretty quickly, but we're going to move on to some more fun thoughts. So during production, Ghostface's signature black robe was going to be white to make him appear even more like a ghost. And this was changed in fear of people comparing the costume to those of the KKK. (laughs) Sorry, it's just weird to even think of Ghostface in a white costume like we couldn't take it serious. I don't know. And then originally, I found this so fascinating The movie was supposed to be called Scary Movie, which was, of course, later used for a parody of the movie and other pop culture films in the Scary Movie film franchise. The term Scary Movie is actually mentioned five times in the film. So that was a very fun fact for me that I never knew and totally makes sense now. And I even read at some point that because of this, the movie is sometimes called Scary Movie on Accident. And then it reminded me full circle of the last episode when Bernadette said Scary Movie was coming out this year. And I was confused. And I was like, I think she meant Scream. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, it's a real thing. People do confuse it. So you're not alone, Bernadette. All right, moving on. Uh, Rose McGowan actually dyed her hair blonde for the role of Tatum in order to contrast her naturally brown hair from that of Nev Campbell's. Um, so I thought that that was pretty cool to like differentiate the art, the actresses. And then fun fact, I don't know if you guys remember back in the TGM days, I loved knowing how much blood was used for certain fi- certain films. And that all like started because of the shining elevator scene. Like I just wanted to understand how much blood would it take to film this scene? So for this movie, the special effects artists used 50 gallons of blood. And honestly, I think I'm a little underwhelmed by 50 gallons of blood. But I guess it also makes sense because there weren't any scenes like the shining scene where it was like an entire floor flooded with blood. So that was interesting to hear. Uh, Nev Campbell was originally going to say no to the film as she is especially afraid of horror movies. But when hearing her co-star Ski Ulrich from The Craft was going to appear, she agreed to do it. So I thought that that was pretty cool. And then, although the killer's costume is often referred to as Ghostface, the costume is actually called Father Death in the part where Dewey brings a costume in the labeled package into the police station after Sydney is first attacked. All right. And then Bob Weinstein approached Robert Rodriguez, Danny Boyle, George A. Romero, and Sam Raimi to direct, but Kevin Williamson said that they didn't get it. He was concerned that they didn't actually understand the script because they thought that it was actually just a comedy. But ironically enough, uh, my love affair, Robert Rodriguez on the side, (laughs) actually ended up directing the footage for the fictional in-universe film Stab. So I thought that that was pretty cool. 
Um, and if you guys were wondering why I mentioned that about Robert Rodriguez, the OG Goolsters also know that I have like a huge crush on Robert Rodriguez and I don't know why I have not covered him on this podcast yet. So that will be coming very soon, I'm sure. And then I was so shocked by this, semi-upset, but also not because it turned out really well. But Billy Loomis was actually supposed to be played by Joaquin Phoenix. So that would have been really interesting, but I'm really glad he didn't because I think Skeet did a phenomenal job and has become like an iconic character in horror history. All right, so there is so many facts about this movie I could go on forever, but I'm going to have to stop there. If not, we're going to have like a two-hour show about random fun facts when you guys could do that on your own. So my history with this movie, I would say I've casually seen this movie a few times throughout my life, but the time that sticks out the most was, of course, intentionally watching it during quarantine. If you know me, you know that my memory retention for things I watch or listen to is really low. So I watched it again to prepare for this episode. And I have to admit, it's one of the few movies that always retains my attention more than I expected to. Something that always sticks out to me is how intense the kills in this movie feel. And I 100% attribute that to outstanding storytelling and character development. This movie does such an amazing job of making you feel attached or invested in characters in a very short period of time and then killing them in such a brutal way that you can't help but feel those kills in ways you don't usually feel in other movies. Take Friday the 13th, for example. It's always the horny teenager, but do you actually root for them? No, you start rooting for Jason. Even with Halloween, despite how much we love Laurie, I don't think any other characters ever just like gut me when they're gutted, (laughs) you know? I think when this movie came out, it was shocking. And I think now as spooky grown women, we can't help but feel like we could have been Casey. And I think this is something that no other sequel has ever gotten right. And that is how charismatic Ghostface is in this first movie. When Casey is talking to Ghostface and like straight up kind of like, okay, this is mysterious and sexy. We can all relate to that. He sounded charming and like a bad boy until he isn't right. Until we hear him say, so I can know who I'm looking at. We're all a little intrigued by Ghostface until this point. So on one hand, you have this shocking movie coming out in the 90s, which evokes fear. But fast forward about 15 years, and that fear has become something you get a thrill out of, and it hits different. And I think that is why this movie has stood the test of time. Because whether you're scared or not, it just works. You think horror is dumb? No problem. This movie is making fun of horror. You want to lean into the suspense and shock of how brutal Ghostface can be? You got it. This is a slasher after all. You want to feel the thrill of flirting with temptation? We've got some Billy Loomis for you too. You want to feel complete and total heartache? Lean in to the tragedy. You want to feel sparks in the beginning of a beautiful and tragic love story? Meet Dewey. There is absolutely no vibe you can't lean into in this film, and I think that is why it is without a doubt the most highly rated film in this community, despite how much of you admit it's not your number one favorite. But this is why I'm a nerd, because data does not lie, baby. I asked you ghouls what your favorite franchise is, and the majority of you voted for Halloween at 46%, and then voted for Scream at second place with only 33%, Then we had Nightmare on Elm Street at 12%, and poor Friday the 13th ranked last with only 8%. But then when I asked you what your favorite movie is, only 12% of you said Halloween 1978, and 25% of you said Scream. So what gives? Here is my theory. 
You all know me. I am a diehard Halloween fan, and I'm going to shatter some more hearts in this episode again. But what I have genuinely loved so much about my content creator journey is how much I have watched and learned that I would have never even thought twice about had I not been producing for you nerdy ghouls. And because of that, I have thoroughly watched so many things and learned about the history that I now realize While Halloween is the standard because it was the movie that started it all, it isn't actually the best series. Even when you look at the plot of Halloween 1978, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's simple, it's basic, and what it did was absolutely amazing for its budget and time, and maybe that is what we all love about it, but I genuinely feel like despite how loyal we all are to it, we all know there is better movies out there. And I will be right there with you, hyping any Michael Myers I can get, but having now seen the entire Friday the 13th series and Scream series, the Halloween franchise was just all over the place, to put it nicely. And Halloween ends, that movie does not exist in my universe, just saying. I wiped it from my memory the minute I gave my review and never looked back, which we will circle back to later. But what I'm getting at is that Scream does not have the issues Halloween did. In fact, it was pretty hard for most of you to have anything bad to say about Scream. When I asked if there was anything you disliked about Scream, a lot of you said no. Flopsker said, no smiley face, lol, end quote. Billie Eilish 777 said, nothing, I love them all, in all caps, end quote. Bernadette Navarro said, not a thing, period, in fact, I love everything, end quote. Alice in Wanderlust said, haha, not really, they're my fave, end quote. On the contrary, you had lots to share about what you love, but I'm a fangirl for a bit before we slash into those. So here's the thing. I want to fangirl, but I also feel conflicted because one of the things I love about this movie is how it made major strides for women in horror in the sense that it really, in my humble opinion, because what do I know, put women in a powerful position. I mean, I already talked about this, but Gail Weathers is a go-getter. Like, if there were ever a woman's hustle I admire more, it's Gail. Nothing stops this woman. And while we have had Final Girls before, I love that this movie specifically uses itself to dismantle the virgin trope. Despite the fact that Sydney loses her virginity to Billy, she still can be the final girl because why should sexuality have anything to do with our character, right? Am I right? <laughs> now, that being said, the fact that this film had so much ghoul power energy, Essie Zoon brought to my attention that the reason Nev Campbell isn't returning to Scream 6 is because they wouldn't compensate her fairly. Excuse me? You're telling me the franchise that was built by Sidney Prescott that gave us not one, but two mega strong female characters didn't want to compensate fairly. I don't know, that just doesn't sit right with me, so I'm glad that Nev didn't fold on that. But then on the other hand, the movie has our first Latina mainstream scream queen, Jenna Ortega, and it's like, how am I not going to show up for that? Do you see my conundrum here, ghouls? But we're digressing. I have more about Jenna later. I promise there's a lot more to say about her. So you guys pretty much mentioned all the scenes I want to talk about. But one I do really want to mention is that I love the flirtation between Dewey and Gail. Like you could always see how he was genuinely smitten over her since the first interaction. And it makes me feel so giddy when it happens. But enough of that. Let's get into all of your favorite scenes. There She Glows Again said, Jamie Foxx describing how everyone dies in a movie and it happens, end quote. Okay, so admittedly, when I read this comment, 
I totally forgot that Jamie Foxx was in the movie. Like, as soon as I read it, I was like, that's right. He's at the very beginning of the movie. But then they don't show him much after that. It even has me questioning if it's really the first one, but I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> All right. And then Flopsker said, the opening scene is the best thing ever, end quote. Yeah. I have no words for the opening scene. Like, it. that's what I'm telling you guys about, like, storytelling and character development. Like, you start out, like intrigued by Ghostface and then by the time you figure out that he's after Casey like you're rooting for her so hard and then you see the parents get home and you see like the entire thing play out and it's just shocking like no matter what year you watch that in that scene is still really shocking and it feels like ugly because at the beginning you think like oh it's fun like it's all fun and games until you actually see Casey's body hanging from a tree that's wild (laughs) All right, and then Billie Eilish 777 said, the bam bitch went down scene, end quote. I had to look this one up, to be honest, because I couldn't, like, I could hear it in my head, but I couldn't remember exactly when it happened. But it's after a Sydney, like, shuts down Gail during an interview, and um, Tatum is, like, retelling it, and then she's like, bam, bitch went down. Um, I'm sure you guys know as soon as I said it. So I really love this one because it was, like, such a random scene to call out, but it obviously resonated for some reason. Splash of Spooky said, I'm feeling a little woozy here with four dead emojis, end quote. Yeah, I thought that part was really funny, too. In fact, you guys have more funny scenes that you mentioned coming up. NBC Lover in 1993 said, how to survive a horror movie scene and Tatum's garage scene, end quote. Yeah, I think the horror movies, how to survive a horror movie scene is probably one of the most iconic scenes in horror history as well just because of like how it breaks it down and how meta it is and then the Tatum garage scene is pretty gnarly too like I'm surprised it doesn't come up more honestly and then Yana Loves Minchie said Drew Barrymore's scene I still remember watching it the first time I was nine end quote oh my gosh school I want to know how you felt watching that at nine at nine years old it must have felt pretty rough uh, v rose 23 said the garage door scene end quote okay so we're seeing a trend here you guys love the opening and garage door scenes Lalik said the very first iconic scene with june barrymore i've never seen pop stovetop popcorn like that till this movie end quote okay i had never seen it outside of a movie until i met mr spooks and he bought me some and let me tell you my world changed that night <laughs> I had no idea it existed, and it 100% tastes way better than microwave popcorn. Okay, Ghoul with a Curl said, I love it when Randy explains the rules for surviving a horror movie. End quote. Okay, another third favorite scene in the community. Hauntingly Cute Mom said, when Stu, say, when Stu says, peer pressure, I'm far too sensitive, then ask Sydney if she really called the cops. End quote. Okay, so there's the second Stu quote that you guys like. Bernadette Navarro said, the killings, dot, 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 I guess I'm a psycho, lol, end quote. (laughs) Hey, that's fair. I'm not going to lie, like, I do love the kill scenes in this film, but I wouldn't say they're my favorite because, like I said, they're one of the few in horror movies that, like, make me really sad at the same time, so that's why I don't like them, but I get that's why the movie's so good, you know? Confliction is real in this episode. Alice in Wanderlash said, when Stewie says, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me, <laughs> it cracks me up, end quote. Yeah. I mean, every single line Stu says at that in that last scene are just hilarious. 
In fact, I wanted to share this fun fact with you guys that I read. So Kevin Williamson, which was the writer, says that Stu's character was actually unwritten and he credits Matthew Lillard, which is actually the actor's name. (laughs) Um, He actually was the one who turned the character into one of the film's most memorable. So all of that credit goes to the actual actor, which I thought was pretty cool. And then fun, interesting fact as well about this party scene that you guys love so much is that it was near the end of the film and it runs 42 minutes long, like that entire party scene. And it was shot over the course of 21 days from the time the sun set to the time it rose. And it wrapped, after it wrapped, the crew had t-shirts that said, I survived scene 118, which was the name of the scene. And the cast and crew jokingly called it the longest night in horror history because of how long it took to actually film that scene. So that was Scream. I told you we were in for a ride with today's episode. So we're going to quickly move along to Scream 5. I am intentionally saving its freaking bats to rank both of them at the same time. So Scream 5 was released on January 14th, 2022. The directors were Matt Bedinelli Open. Sorry, I didn't know how to say that name. Tyler Gillette and the writers were James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. I feel like I said all those names wrong. I apologize. So it had the original cast and introduced three new actors, which were Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, and Jack Quaid, which is Dennis Quaid's son, if you didn't already know. I always think that that's so funny. I don't know why. So surprisingly enough i'm really shocked by this the rotten tomatoes audience rating is higher for this film and it's 81 percent i have no idea why maybe because it has not had as much time as scream to get more reviews i don't know but i found this very shocking to be honest so the imdb summary reads 25 years after a streak of brutal murders shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, California, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past, end quote. And in meta fashion, the movie does establish that it is a requel, which means it is both a sequel and a reboot, which essentially means the movie continues the story of the previous Scream films while also introducing new characters and updating the franchise for modern audiences. The movie acknowledges the events of the previous films while also introducing new storylines and themes. So to be honest, it's been a hot minute since I've seen Scream 2 through 4, but I can say watching Scream 1 and 5 in a row felt pretty seamless to me. But I do think Scream 4 will have a small part in Scream 6 since Hayden Panettiere is returning from that film. So this movie, I obviously don't have much history with because it was the first time I saw it last year at a drive-in. And to be honest, I kind of regret that because I missed a lot from how bad the screen was. So the second time around was still almost like a first time watch. And honestly, it was surprisingly impressive. So I'm going to get real with you guys for a second. We all know sequels are rarely great, but yet we all show up to watch them. And that's because as much as we acknowledge how bad they are, we'd rather have the excitement of seeing our favorite characters on screen again and hearing our favorite scores in the theater again. And I know I'm right on that because 68% of you agreed that you'd rather have bad sequels than nothing at all. But the thing that made Scream 5 great was that it actually wasn't bad and to be honest I'm so glad that you ghouls really showed up for me on this one because I'll be the first to admit sometimes I feel like I'm so bad at reviewing movies because I always say everything is great for the most part so 
seeing your thoughts reaffirm mine was pretty nice, if I'm being honest. So my first thought was this film was not predictable. Only 26% of you said you thought it was really obvious who the killers were. 42% of you said you figured it out towards the end and 32% of you along with me were way off. (laughs) So I think that in itself is a win for a sequel. If the majority had felt it was obvious, I would have said the storytelling fell short, but that was not the case. And I honestly have a lot I want to say, but I'm going to go through your negative reviews first so we can dissect those and then get into the fangling portion, which is my favorite. So there she glows again, said the new one felt like it was trying too hard, to be honest, end quote. I didn't feel this way on my end. Like, I don't know... Actually, I will say that I felt that way when I saw it the first time at the drive-in. Like, certain parts of it were like, okay, I roll. But then when I saw it the second time after watching it, after watching Scream right before it, I didn't feel that way anymore. So I'm, I'd be curious to hear if you have seen it more than once, Jess, because I don't know. I just didn't get that vibe from it. And then Lalik said, <laughs> I love how... I just want to say that I love how Lalik like enters her question, her answers as like actual conversational notes. So this is how she read it. So like what got me was how tiny Amber was and how super fucking strengthy she was. It's unrealistic, but she did play batshit crazy really well, though. LOL. She sold me. It was very far out there, but I still enjoyed it. In my opinion, it did way better than that quotation. One movie that we shall not name quotation end quote. So I totally thought the same thing about Amber being too small. And I also felt like it was super unrealistic that Jenna survived the first attack. And also, where the heck was the hospital staff when Jenna was trying to get away in the hospital on the wheelchair by herself? Like, hello, where was everybody? It made no sense. And I also did confirm with Lalik and the movie that we shall not name for her was also Halloween Ends. So I'm glad that I'm not the only one who feels that way. Hauntingly cute mom said, I hate Wes's hair from Scream 5, end quote. Okay, I went back and looked at the clips because I didn't catch this on my own. And I'm very sorry to say this, but I still don't see a difference. So you're going to have to send me some screenshots or like explain what you meant or share it on the Discord so we can all see because I did not feel this way about it and I don't know why. Ghoul with the curl said, I wasn't feeling how Billy kept popping up for Sam. I get it. It's his daughter, but I don't think it worked, end quote. Okay, so this is what I thought was too much when I saw it the first time. Like, I think when I saw the movie and I saw him come up for the first time, it was one of those, like, eye roll moments for me. But when I saw this movie after watching Scream, like, directly after it, I really enjoyed that part of the film. Like, it just... Like, they did the requel so good, the requel part of it. Like, I really loved how the storylines were connected, and I loved how Billy was, like, coaching her to, like, step up and be as strong as she needed to be. And then, there she glows again, said, Dewey deserves to live. Three exclamation points. Hashtag still mad, lol, end quote. (sighs) Yeah, I'm going to move on to, like, the next few answers before I comment on that. Splash of Suki said, I was sad they killed Dewey, but I think it was necessary, end quote. And then Hauntingly Cute Mom also said, Dewey dying and Dewey and Gail's divorce. I felt bad for Dewey. Everyone he loved was gone and they forced him to retire his job, end quote. Guys, 
the fact that I know Dewey was your favorite character from a majority standpoint and that you saw this film breaks my heart a little because this film like broke me too when I saw Dewey die but it broke me more that he had that moment with Gail where they like made amends and they talked it just like it hurt me really bad but I also really love that they at least got their like quotation happy ending even though it was not a happy ending by any means um Alice in Wanderlust said it was good I'll just miss the original gang end quote yeah I fear that I fear that I mean I feel that um I know that a lot of people felt that way too all right enough of the negativity let's get into the fan ghouling shall we <laughs> so Essie Zoon said I like that the young teens are doing the whole whodunit like the OGs did in the original end quote yeah for sure I that's why I loved seeing them side by side or like back to back because I really enjoyed seeing the similarities and how they were creative enough to keep the storyline going in a like authentic way if that makes sense uh, Flopsker said favorite scene in Scream 2022 were when the twin was explaining the requel rules and when they were showing all the spinoffs on YouTube like it had ghost face with a flamethrow end quote yeah see and it feels like what you guys are loving are those scenes that like paid tribute to the iconic scenes from the first movie in a creative way so this like requel rules is similar to like the horror movie rules and the spinoffs part is just really funny and really cool to see like I wish as a like marketing thing they would have released all of the like fake movie stuff that they created for like stab and everything that would be so cool to see on youtube yo i don't know who it is is it who who makes scream oh paramount duh paramount hit a ghoul up i have all these marketing ideas for you hello <laughs> all right and then billy eilish 777 said the hospital scene where they kill Dewey sad face the opening scene and when Sam stabs Richie end quote okay I'm surprised that the hospital scene is one of your favorites if it was a sad scene but I hope that means you thought that Dewey's death was pretty epic I don't know if I felt like it was epic enough to be honest and regarding the opening scene I really loved how they adapted that to like modern technology with like the app locking the doors and stuff. I thought that that was really well done too. Uh, NBC Lover 1993 said, Attack on Tara, uh, Dewey's kill scene, and Billy, you can't run from who you are scene, end quote. Uh, so those are all great ones too. I'm really surprised to hear that you guys liked the Dewey kill scene because I can respect that they killed him off, but again, I think they could have done Dewey dirtier, if that makes sense. Um, and then the Billy, you can't run from who you are scene. Yeah, I mean, I shared on that. I thought that that was really cool too. Uh, Lalik shared all the throat slitting, LOL. My husband, friend, and I went to see this in theaters. My husband absolutely hates any throat, anything. And the first throat slashing, he lost his effing mind, gagging in theaters, screaming why, laughing my ass off, end quote. Okay, I wish I would have been there because I can't imagine anyone having that kind of reaction in theater. Uh, but yeah, the throat slitting was pretty hardcore. I thought that was really cool. Uh, hauntingly cute mom said, Amber getting doused in hand sanitizer and then falling onto the lit stove. Hashtag she deserved it, end quote. Yes, I think that was probably my favorite kill scene in this film because she was so freaking annoying. Yeah, she deserved it. <laughs> Uh, Goal with the Curl said, I liked the opening scene that looked like the original opening scene with Casey, end quote. Yeah, like I said, I loved how they adapted that to modern times. 
isn't it crazy that like this franchise is only on its sixth movie and we're saying and I'm saying things like for its time or like adapted to modern times. I don't know. It's just crazy to me how much things have changed in less than 20 years. Okay, so I already mentioned this, but I want to reiterate how excited I am to see some Latina scream queen power happening. I was worried that rewatching this movie was going to feel like I was just watching Wednesday in a movie, but Jenna is such a great actress. I never thought about that. And I also feel like Melissa Barrera did such a great job, too, that she really held her own in the movie because it was never clearly the Jenna Ortega movie. I'm curious to see if Jenna will get more screen time in the new one because of how popular she's getting. It's just absolutely wild to me that Jenna's career has blown up since I started the first Schoolmates podcast. I remember fangooling over her in, a, in the Babysitter Killer Queen, and it's wild that she's like the it girl in horror now, and I love it. Another thing I really loved was that Dewey got his nice moment with Gail before dying. Like, I know I mentioned it before, but I think this was probably one of my favorite scenes. And I didn't want him to die, but at least he got to see her right before, which is what made it, I think, hurt even more. And I wanted to touch on the Billy Loomis visions for a bit. I know I mentioned how they felt kind of strange to me at first and I, I appreciated them more after watching the original Scream just before this film. And the reason that I really loved the cohesive storytelling on these two films is because Sydney is afraid of becoming a sexual person like her mom and Sam is afraid of becoming a killer like her dad. So I actually thought that that, that was like really nicely done in a very creative way of like marrying the two films. And honestly, if she does end up being a killer, I'm pretty here for it because why not have a latina ghost face like hell yeah i'm here for it so if anything was too much i felt like when she stabbed riley it was like comedic instead of triumphant because she just kept going and going and going and going and going and going <laughs> and the last thing i really enjoyed about watching these movies back to back was seeing the progression in sydney and gail's relationship it was so sweet how their relationship grew over the years and how they worked together to take the killers down like it was just really awesome seeing the movies back to back like i said and if i haven't said that enough like i just highly recommend it because there's just like so many things that you see come full circle that i don't think you appreciate without watching the original scream like right before it if that makes sense so i guess it's finally time to rate the movies and then we will talk about scream six predictions so let's get into it's freaking bats okay so first up we have the original scream nerdy ghouls gave this movie the highest score we have had on the podcast so far and they gave scream four point eight freaking bats that was impressive i'm not gonna lie you all were basically on the same page except like two of you <laughs> as for me i would give this film five freaking bats i mean there's no shocker there i don't think i'm not the kind of person to rewatch movies and this movie always keeps me engaged it makes me feel a lot of emotions and ghoul power it's a no-brainer for me honestly and now we have scream five nerdy ghouls gave this film three bats womp 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 <laughs> to be honest i think you all were being a little rough on this one because like Lelik said did you all forget about how 
bad Halloween ends was like this was not the worst of sequels and actually really did give a lot of the characters an ending with substance so I will give this one four bats because of course it's not as good as the original but it definitely holds its own in the world of sequels and kept me entertained all right so let's get into Scream 6 this movie is coming out on March 9th and I was curious how many of you are watching opening night I was kind of surprised by the results, actually. So 26% of you are watching on opening night with me because I will be there on opening night. (laughs) And then 39% of you will be watching it opening weekend. And then I was kind of sad to hear this because like it's one of the iconic ones. I get it with like Megan and Cocaine Bear and all of these like other random horror movies coming out. But for Scream... 22% of you are waiting till it hits a streaming service. If it's a budgetary concern, like, I'm totally there, I get it. But, like, any other reason is like, come on, you gotta show up for our horror movies in theater because then we're not gonna get any anymore. We're living in tough times. All right, anyway. And then 13% of you said, meh. 13% of you? You guys love this film. I'm very surprised by this. Anyway. Like I said, I'll be watching on opening night and I will have my spoiler free review posted that night or early Friday morning on YouTube so that you can keep an eye out for that as well. So I don't want to share much about the movie because I didn't want to risk stumbling on any spoilers doing research for this. But essentially, this movie is going to be different because we're going to New York with Ghostface. And it looks like Ghostface will have a gun, which I don't know how I feel about because I think part of why the kills feel so horrible is because of how gruesome the stabbings can be. But that's what we're looking at is a new era of Ghostface in New York. So let's talk about some of your predictions for the movie. There She Glows Again said, something predictable will happen and and I think we'll know pretty early on, end quote. Here's the thing, like I mentioned earlier, I'm like really bad at these things. So the fact that you guys were with me on Scream 5 and like didn't think that the like ending was given away that early on, I have hope for Scream 6 as well. Uh, Billie Eilish 777 and Essie Zune said that they think Stu is alive, end quote. Okay. It's crazy to me that more than one of you thought this and I would be so here for it. And I don't know why when I saw the trailer, the body of one of like the ghost faces really did remind me of Stu's like tall character, like very like, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like when Stu was ghost face, it was very like comical, just like his lines were, you know? So I don't know. That would be really cool, I think, and a really great way to like wrap up the original cast somehow but I don't know and then NBC lover 1993 said someone else that is related to an original scream cast member end quote I mean that would not be the most out there idea honestly <laughs> and then Lalik said it's still gonna go on lol you can't get rid of bad shit crazy it only gets put away for next play end quote yeah that's a pretty good way to put it I honestly was wondering if like this movie has been advertised as like the final screen, but I don't think it has, especially because they've invested so much into this like requel thing of like starting a new generation. So I think if anything, it might be like the last time we get the original cast. If these new cast members can really like hold up in theaters, which considering it's Jenna Ortega, I'm pretty sure that they're banking on that. 
And then too fond of books said, people will die and Jenna Ortega lives, end quote. Yes, I mean, obviously, I think that's a given. Like, if they want the movie to keep making money, they're going to need to keep her. Like, she's the only one in horror right now. And then Bernadette Navarro and Ghoul with the Curl said that they think Gail will be killed off in this one, end quote. (sighs) Guys, I have a feeling that's coming too, and I don't know how I feel about it. It's going to really upset me. I don't know what will upset me more, like Gail's death or how much Dewey hurt me. Like, (sighs) I don't know. All I can say is if she's going to go, they better like give her like the most epic kill scene ever because like, you know, she's not going down without a fight. She is Gail Weathers. Nothing will bring her down. So I don't know. Like they better step it up because Dewey's did not do him justice in my opinion. And that is all on my thoughts on the predictions. All right, nerdy ghouls. I had the absolute best bloody time fangoling with you today. I hope you're psyched to see Scream 6. And if you haven't already, I hope you're feeling super hyped to binge Scream and Scream 5 before the big release day. Be sure to keep a lookout for my Scream 6 review on YouTube and be sure to have a stabbing good time at the premiere if you're heading out. Stay safe, but have fun and eat lots of popcorn because it's a vibe. We don't get these kind of releases that often like big horror releases you know what I'm saying uh anyway I had a ton of fun with you guys I would love to keep the conversation going on discord it was so nice seeing you guys talk again over the last episode so I just want to remind you if you're listening and you haven't joined our discord server we are there we're chatting we're fangooling and I'm sure it's going to heat up the closer we get to halfway to Halloween it is right around the corner and I will catch you here again on April 1st until next time sending you ghouls and kisses bye Ha 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 ha.